Welcome to the Dark Depth Podcast, your go-to place for the modern and legacy formats. I'm one of your hosts, Billy Mitchell, and I'm here with the Sylvan Safekeeper himself, Michael Mapson. How are you? Pretty good. How are you? Uh, living the life, man. Got to play Magic this week, actually. Got to hang around. Uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a pretty eventful week. Nice, nice. How about you? How's your week going? Uh, it's going good. I mean, not too much of anything special. I mean, I also played Magic this week, but I play Magic every week now. That's true. Um, That's true. It's more of the same, just doing more training at work. I feel like I've been training for ages, uh, but thankfully I can see the end on the horizon. That's good. I mean, that's, um, I don't know. I feel like the, the first couple of weeks of like doing the training, you're like, yeah, yeah. But there definitely is, is always a point where you're like, I've done this enough. I know what I'm doing. Please, please let me just do it. Yeah, I mean, I actually didn't have that. Um, I mean, I guess, so I was excited for like a day just to be like, okay, I'm at a new job, fresh start. Like, I want to meet my coworkers, yada, yada. But I mean, I've just been stuck at a computer just like, reading text uh which is fine i it's actually how i learn the best but i'd rather not just be like sitting like i'd rather be like laying down or like getting to take more breaks which actually they were pretty generous with um but just sitting there reading text and then having these classes that are clearly not taught by teachers and the classes have just been killer because there's so much review so it's like i'll read something and i'll retain it but they're like banking on the average person not retaining it so then they spend like an hour reviewing it and like five minutes teaching you something new. And then they're like, was this helpful? Oh. Yeah. I mean, that's from a, I guess, education perspective. Um, a lot of people who end up going and being successful corporate trainers, they usually have some sort of, they should, I think, have a good educational background. Um, but a lot of them just have like an HR background which I think is really interesting. And obviously there are some strengths and weaknesses with being in either education or being in the HR, but if you're trying to teach people things, that I'm going to I'm going to guess nine times out of 10, having the education background is more important. Uh, but a lot of times I think they, they will give that to somebody who doesn't have that sort of necessary background. Um, we actually had, when I worked at Vanguard, and obviously years ago, we had somebody who did actually have an education background. He used to be a chemistry teacher and he was very easily the best person to learn from, to listen to, to get information from or advice. Um, he would, he wouldn't always just tell you the right answer. He would, you know, lead you um, through a kind of a Socratic um, discussion, like very good. And, you know, the people who trained under him did much better than people who trained under, under the other people. Cause like, they were like, Oh, I've worked at Vanguard for, you know, 20 years like I know everything it's like yeah but you don't know how to teach me everything you just know it like that, that, that's not helpful so, yeah and you know I do wonder if some of it is not on them but just like the way they're told to teach it mm -hmm. I do think you know some of the fault is not theirs I think they're kind of more or less doing what they're told but mm -hmm. if they would break from the mold a little bit I think it would be better it's just it's so interesting to me though because like, obviously you're a teacher, I'm married to a teacher, some of our good friends are teachers, and I even went to school for education for three years mm. uh, before going, this isn't for me. And I think these classes have made me appreciate what a good teacher is more than anything else. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I think once you, 
um, I get this, and this is not a slate at anybody. Obviously, my the other people that I work with do not do this, but uh, or listen to the show. But the a couple of people that I, a couple of students that I've had have definitely had my class and been like, "Oh, you're." I'm like learning a lot this year. It's like, oh, that's, that's good. I'm, I'm very happy. It's like, no, no, no. I've been, I've been good at math for years, but this is the first time I've like learned math. It's like that's kind of terrifying. I think I know what you mean. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't really, especially, especially like in school at least. There's a lot of times you can just kind of listen, cram, take a test, and like move on. But like you don't learn anything during it. But the first time you really have a teacher who is teaching and involving you in the topic and making you kind of under or commit to understanding and explaining you're like oh wow this is this is really great like i'm gonna remember this 10 years from now and you know hopefully that actually happens but yeah i don't know i think it's always good to appreciate a good teacher when when they do come around anyways we've probably talked about education for long enough since we are not an education podcast i mean Hopefully we are educating people a little bit about modern legacy, but yeah, you would hope not so. <laughs> talking about education, no. Uh, well, do you want to talk about modern a little bit? We can talk about the the weekly. I got to see you in in person at a magic event for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I mean, you should come out more often. I'm uh, there basically every week since it is five minutes from my house, which is super convenient for an LGS. Yeah, mine. For me, it's like forty minutes. I got. I got yeah, home. but you get to see me. I get to see you, but I've got to like leave the baby and I got to leave the wife. Like, the timing actually worked out pretty well. I, I left ten minutes before she would have gone to bed anyway, so it worked out last week. I'll try to make it back. I got uh, obviously a lot of people, a lot of mutuals there, and it was nice to see some people. I I didn't expect you know just name drop some people. Um, I didn't expect to see. Like, Kramer was there, Zach Kramer, who, you know, was a fellow writer with us over at Legit MTG. Um, obviously, like, James Eveland um, was a good friend, friend of ours, uh, actual fellow teacher as well. Um, I didn't expect to see him there. Obviously, Chaz Hinkle, um, you know, GP Louisville top eater, um, you know, was there, uh, a good friend of ours too. Like, there were just a lot of people there who were playing I was like oh you're here oh wow you're there too okay cool like it was it was a nice local magic get together for me at least yeah the weeklies are uh they're kind of big <laughs> yeah. it was 43 people in there last night i think mm-hmm. yeah definitely not what i expected that was a lot of filled tables and obviously quote unquote filled tables right they still have the spacing between the tables there was four um people at a 10 foot table right so like, plenty of space um between people playing which i think was good they didn't try to jam us in there i mean alternate universes is, at this point has a very large play space which i very much appreciate especially right now so it, it, it didn't feel like there were that many people in the store i mean until you were done playing at least and then i, I felt like there was a, a lot of people I had, to, I had to step out a couple times definitely a little more anxious uh now than i was you know 18 months ago so so, so how did it go for you, your first time there? Uh, went well. Uh, I was missing a bunch of cards. I, I thought I, I thought I had them with me. I, so I ended up playing Mono Red Prowess. I literally was like, what, what cards do I have? What do I want to play? And I was like, I have Red Black Death Shadow. And I was like, do I really want to play this deck? Like, the deck's like a year old. Like, 
you know what, maybe we'll play this. And I was like, no, I don't want to do this. I'm like, I'm going to play an updated Mono Red Prowess list. Like, Dragon Red Channeler is really cool. I think that works really well in the deck. So I'm going to play that. I'll play Mishra's Baubles. I'm like, oh my god, this will be sweet. Um, I own two Dragon Red Channeler. I brought a box of stuff that I could, you know, put into the deck. And, like, some of the stuff was, like, like Lava Spikes, which I haven't had out of um, storage in a while. So I ended up having... 60 cards in this box. Uh, Dragon Ray Channel was not one of them. I just didn't bring them with me. And I only own two, so I was like, oh, I'll, I'll pick up... I'll have two, I'll pick up two more, I'll play four in the deck. And then I got to AU, and they're like, oh, we, don't, we do not have those cards. I'm like, okay. So I guess we're just going to play a deck from two years ago, and <laughs> no one will say anything about it. It'll be totally fine. Um, but the deck was still, I mean, I, I think it, in general right now, I don't know if you, I don't know if you agree with this point or not, but I feel like the format is so like interaction light. You can kind of really do whatever you want for most decks, at least. I, I think the decks that do really have a good chance of interrupting opponents' plans are playing, you know, like the one mana removal spells, um, you know, whatever color they are. But the Monterey Prowess list, at least, is playing like lightning bolts and I'm playing the lava darts and stuff like that, so... I had a lot of, you know, really blowouty games where my opponent would play a creature and I would kill it immediately and then they would die. <laughs> or and I had a lot of games where my opponent just didn't have interaction and then I just got to make a bunch of prowess people and then murder my opponent. So um, even the the I definitely would call the format interaction late. Well, okay, so I feel like half that room blue red. Sure. Blue red, so then there's a fair number on Grixis, and the food decks have an interaction. So I think removal wise, okay. So you have Asmo, you have Lightning Bolt, you have Unholy Heat, you have Prismatic Ending. Would you say that's the top four? Uh, yeah, probably. So I, don't know, I actually don't know if it's more common that or Fatal Push. It's probably Ending. I think it's Ending. And, like, Fatal Push is obviously good, and, like, you were talking about the Grixis decks, obviously. Um, like, that's playing Colgan's Command, which I think is really good. And, well, know. I'm not counting Colgan's Command here. That card's okay. not very good against your deck. No, it's not very good. Um, even, like, on a Holy Heat, too, is, like, not actually that great. Like, if you have I think Delirium, it's good. If you have Delirium, it, it's very good. If you don't have Delirium, it doesn't, it doesn't I don't care. And that's that's kind of the, the balance. Like, do you actually have this card that should be good, or is it is it just bad? Because if you are trying to cast it on turn one, I, or turn one, fine. Turn two is kind of dangerous. Um, turn three, if you have Delirium, it's pretty good, but otherwise it's like kind of a non-factor. So, that's, that's kind of where I'm at, and I, I think the Prowess deck at least puts so much pressure on that like something like Asmo isn't always able to get turned on. Also, I'm like, I'm playing enough, rem hopefully enough removal spells in the deck that I can get rid of Asmo without losing my whole battlefield at least so um yeah just trying not to get murdered by not i don't say random stuff but like bigger stuff like that that was kind of my my mentality at least as long as i can apply constant pressure my opponent hopefully will not be able to do something bigger and more powerful than i'm than i'm trying to do and in, in the first four or five turns of the game and that that kind of worked out for me in general um it, it didn't i'm trying to think of decks i played i played against amulet twice which is uh, good and bad. Um, games were games were good. I always I still feel like the matchup is just one side at one way or the other. Like I don't think there's a middle ground in that matchup terribly much. But uh, played against that. Played against Tron, which like on the draw they played turn three Karn and then they died. 
which is always good for me. And then I'm trying to think what the last match actually was. I can't think of it. Oh, it was uh, actually okay. Quick, this. I don't even know how to describe the deck. It was like a Dreadhorde Arcanist, Young Pyromancer, Snapcaster Mage deck. Um, it did play Cole against Command. It played Fatal Push, Lightning Bolt. Um, they were playing like Claim Fame. Uh, deck seemed sweet. Really, the games were enjoyable. Definitely caught me off guard. It wasn't really exactly sure what to expect, but the... I'm trying to think what the card is called. Um, target player mills two and draws a card. Uh, whatever that card's called. Uh, Thought Scour. Kind of tips you off early, kind of what the game plan is when they start milling over uh, Dreadhorror Arcanist and Claim Fame. So it was... They were, the games definitely were interesting. I had a good time overall. The deck's really... I don't want to say really old, but that deck's kind of old and it never gained traction. So I wonder if they've been playing it like since I first saw it or if uh, if they kind of brewed it up themselves into it on their own. Um, but I know I know a couple of people were playing something similar to that style. Like, I guess it wasn't even that long ago. It was probably actually just at the start of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, to be fair, that's like, a year and four months ago, right? Like, that, that is a long, long amount of time. Um, and, like, I think... I could be wrong. Like, I could have sworn he had, like, Counterspell in the deck. I think he had... Like, I didn't see Murktide Regent, but I, I assume he was playing Murktide Regent. Well, was there a Loris? Uh, no. Okay, so... I mean, they must have been playing something. Because mm-hmm. Loris seems kind of free in that deck. For sure, Yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah. If you're I mean, Murktide Regent would be sweet there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it'd be really good. So, no, it was a, definitely interesting. Yeah, they Harmony. I'm trying to think if they had any, if they did have anything that I saw. Like, I definitely didn't have to fight down an Angler. I don't remember seeing a Murktide Regent, but maybe they milled one. Um, we were talking about a bunch of cards, too, like, during the match, so it was kind of, kind of fuzzy exactly what they were playing, but... Yeah, I mean, overall, it was fun. I think that, once again, just being able to play, especially Prowess, like, that's a deck I, I have so many reps in um, online and in paper that it, it was fun just to kind of kick the dust off with that with that bad boy. Uh, how about you? What did you play? Uh, so I played Grix, the Grixis deck we talked about last week. Okay. Um, after gushing over it for so long on the show, I just couldn't help myself. Messaged a friend of mine, Kyle. Uh, who supplies me with basically anything I want to play. Cool. Um, I was like, hey, do you have these cards? He was only missing a black cleave clips, so put it together, took it through its paces. Um, it was pretty sweet. It played out about as well as could be expected. And I did not play particularly great. Um, <laughs> I've been up since 4.30, so okay. I'm very tired. It's not like, I don't think I was like punting games left and right. Well, there was one game I did punt pretty hard. Um, but it's, you know, it's not like I was just like completely throwing games, but I wasn't, I definitely was not playing tight and was able to carry me to uh, to a nice 3-0 before I split the last round. Cool. I um, typically would play the last round out, but I needed to go to sleep. For sure. But the deck was, the deck was delightful. Um, I don't know if I can sing its praises enough. It, it was just really strong. Uh, there, and there was a lot of choices. Like you had a lot of control over what was happening. I felt like, um, and I don't. It was hard to decide sometimes. Like, are you supposed to thought seize slash inquisition on turn one? Are you supposed to lead with a threat? If you lead with a threat, like 
you play Dragon's Rage Channel or Ragavan. And, you know, I, I don't think it's one set answer. I think it depends on, like, what you're against, uh, the context of your hand, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it was nice. It really uh, got me thinking a lot, which was always fun. And, you know, it was, it was just really smooth. Like, so smooth. All the cards just worked together so nice. It looked like your mana was pretty good. It looked like your removal spells lined up pretty well in the deck, too. Like, I felt you were playing the... Drown the Lock, which I think is, which is really good. Oh, the Drown the Lock was insane. <laughs> it was so good. Uh, you were playing. Did you play one Terminate? Uh, yeah, one Terminate main, one side. Okay. Oh man, and the highlight of my night was um, I was playing against uh, Blue White, or actually, sorry, it was Esper Control, um, which was the deck that I super punted against. Mm-hmm. But in game two, I got to play their. Uh, to fairy hero of Dominaria. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was uh that was a quick win from there. Yeah. Jeez. Well, did you have to play like a turn early too? Like a turn uh, I played to it on like I'm trying to think. It was probably like turn I don't know, it was probably like turn five or so. Okay. But I played it with like counter spell mana open. <sighs> that's so good. Oh man, yeah, that's one of those things too. You're like, okay, well, like, like I can beat them on the like, control out as long as they don't car- they can beat me in card advantage. Like Teferi, your Teferi, it's like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was really good. Yeah. Um, the storms were clutch. They were so good. Um, I mean, granted, I only brought them in in that one matchup, but they were insane in that one matchup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think especially with counterspell in the format now, like you can always. Yeah, you know, always quote unquote. Uh, play around something like I don't know, like Veil of Summer. You can play around something like a Mana Leak, right? There's really no playing around for on Flusterstorm nine times out of ten. Like, you know, you, you, one of those cop storm copies is in account of the spell, which is always really nice unless they have their own Flusterstorm. But like that doesn't always happen, especially in modern. It never happens. Nobody, nobody really plays Flusterstorm. Nobody knows the card's still yeah, legal. The deck was really sweet. The the one complaint I had mm. um, is I really never saw Kroxa. I think I was playing, so I was playing two in the main deck. Okay. Um, and I, I don't even necessarily think that card is particularly good. Mm-hmm. But I just, like, I wanted to see how it was. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I couldn't actually experience it, which, I mean, that's fine. It is what it is. But it was just a little unfortunate. Mm-hmm. It would have been really good against the control deck. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think even in... Well, what were the, some of the other matches you, you played against? Uh, let's see. Man, I'm so tired. Um, round one, I played against uh, Eldrazi and Taxis. Okay. And then round two, I played against Enchantress. Okay. Yeah. And then round three was Control. I would say, yeah, Enchantress, probably not the place for Croxa either. Um, I think it's Eldrazi and Taxes, though. It might not be bad. Like, that's a good mid-range threat that's going to hopefully take over the game after, you know, a long trade of resources. See, I wasn't sure how I felt about it there. Um, I think in that matchup, more often than not, your creatures, like, when your creatures die, they're getting exiled. They're not really going to your yard. Uh, so I felt like it could be kind of hard to fuel. And then also, if you get it into play and then they just have Eldrazi Displacer, that's, like, 
abysmal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I shaved one. I think I left one in. Okay. I don't remember for sure. And maybe that's not the right way to think about it, but that was my thought process and made sense to me at the time. I mean, it still kind of makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I guess it depends. I hadn't really thought about them. Like, they're, are they bringing in rest in peace against you? I don't know. Okay. Maybe. Cause like, I didn't if, ask. If they're playing rest in peace or, like, if they're playing, like, main deck, Dalty, whatever it's called, the... Nah, I mean, it was... So they had the the Caves of Coilos, but they were really mono-white. Okay. Well, they well they also could have played the, the Envec, um, the new one, if you what it's called. Uh, yeah, the Sanctifier or whatever. Sanctifier Envec, yeah, thank you. Yeah, they, they did have that card. So, like, that seems like, not a nightmare, but that's kind of annoying for you, too. Like, you have a number of red and black spells... Yeah, I think you you probably have more red instants than blue instants in the deck, right? Yes. So it's like not the end of the world. You can definitely still, you know, cast your spells without it being super annoying. Like Snapcaster Mage could still get back Thought Scour or like Counterspell. Like that's not the end of the world. It's just really frustrating. Like there's definitely a lot of st- times where like flashing back Lightning Bolt is like huge. Um, and you can't just do that necessarily, but but I was gonna say too, it can be really annoying for them to vial in. I forget what's actually called the card that um, like processes the card from exile and puts it into your graveyard and gives like a creature negative three, negative two. But like if you're going for like expressive iteration, then they steal the card from exile <laughs> that you had and uh, put it into your graveyard. Oh, that would make me mad. <laughs> expressive iteration was good every time I cast it, too. Yeah, I had to watch one, or I think two of your games versus the control deck, and the card is definitely, and once again, like, I I played it online, and I think the blue-red blue-red prowess deck, I played it, I think I played it, like, two days ago, and and the mana traders qualifying, and I'm like, eh, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not, it's fine. I think in the deck where, you know, you can hit, like, Snapcaster Mage or, like, Call Against Command, like, if, if the deck's just, it's just much better. You know what I mean? Like, I think being able to cast your two-for-one to get two-for-ones, I think, is insane. I think in the blue-red deck, you, when you, you know, you cast your two-for-one to get a one-for-one, it's, like, still obviously very good, but it's definitely a different animal in your deck. I'll be honest, uh, you say that, but I, I was actually generally happiest when I hit, like, land plus dragon's free channeler. Hmm. I mean, it depends on what you're doing, right? The card's flexible. So if you're if you're tra- casting it, you know, on turn uh, uh, turn two trying to hit the third land, it's going to do what it needs to do. If you're trying to do it on turn, I'll say turn five, right, you can do that, hit a land, hit a one-drop, and still hold up Counterspell, like, that's still just as good. Um, doesn't have to always be the top end. But, like, it, it's definitely flexible like that, though, right? Like, it's not... Yeah. It, like, you can't do that in the blue-red deck. Like, you are hitting a one-for-one one or a creature, right? But that is <laughs> that is the, the floor and that is the ceiling. So, I guess the floor is hitting three lands, but <laughs> the ceiling is definitely getting uh, just a two for one. I, I think in your deck, possibly getting a four for one from a, from a card is like ridiculous. I did hit three lands off of one of them. Yeah, <laughs> it's I, so bad. I saw that. Yeah, it was like Blackleaf Cliff, Blackleaf Cliff, like uh, Scalding Tart or something like that. Like that, that's brutal. But you know what? At least you don't have to draw 
two la- or three lanes in a row. Like, that's not the end of the world. Yeah. Way to look at the bright side. I, uh, <laughs> so you mentioned the Mana Traders event. Yeah. So first, did you qualify? I still have a bunch of matches to go. I am going to try to play a little bit later. Uh, I'm actually just going to play the Mono Red deck because I, I didn't get to play with the Channelers yesterday, but I have a list with Channeler that I think should be pretty powerful and a lot faster than anything else I could be playing. Um, either that or I'll just play Mono White Hammer, but I don't have the reps in with that deck to play quickly, I don't think. So uh, we'll try okay, to... follow up. Yeah. We're playing in a Legacy 1K. Yes. It's the same time as the Mana Trader Swiss. Oh. Oh. Oh, well, that's disappointing. Okay, so, so I, I'm just not going <laughs> to do that then. Never mind. I'll just, I'll just save myself the, <laughs> the, the trouble. <laughs> yeah, I, I woke up today. I was like, uh, like I was on Twitter. I was like, oh, no, that ends today. And then I looked at when this, the Swiss was, and I was like, I don't, I don't care anymore. Then, yeah, I'm off uh, it. Although I, I will say, I really wish that you could um, qualify, like you, you have to play your matches after noon, mm-hmm. uh, which is really frustrating to me. Because not that I play much moto in the morning, anyways. Mm-hmm. But like I, I wake up usually between like five thirty and six thirty, uh, but I don't leave for work until like eight twenty. Okay. So it's just like that is actually like I have nothing to do. I I don't set an alarm. I just wake up. You have time. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like that's a really convenient time. That I just like hop on, play, play some matches. Or, like, uh, when I was working overnights, I would wake up, be the middle of the day, and my wife would be gone. And it's like, okay, well, by myself for the next couple hours, might as well get these matches out of the way. And I'd, like, sign on, and it'd be like, you can't play your matches for another three hours. It's like, well, okay. And the annoying but, thing... Well, it's annoying, too, on... it Because it's local time. It's not like it's, like... 12 o'clock to tw- it's 12 o'clock p.m. Eastern to 12 o'clock p.m. or you know a.m. Eastern, right? But like, I'm pretty sure you can keep playing if you're in different time zones. So, like, I believe yes, but like, it's annoying at 12 15. Like, I this happened the other night. Like, it was I finished a match, it was like 12 15 a.m. I couldn't play another match, but like, it's like I, I know there's literally someone in Chicago who's like, oh, time to jump in the queue, and I'm like, I just can't play with you. Like, that's annoying. Like, <laughs> just when when everyone goes to sleep, then shut it off, or like shut it off at the same time for everybody. Like, if I'm allowed to play, I feel like there's probably a reason, but I don't know what that reason is. So if anybody wants to tell me why I'm being stupid and not thinking about it, like, be my guess because I would love to be enlightened. But right now, I just think it sucks. Yeah. Um, but anyways, ignoring that. So if you were to play in the Swiss, or even better the modern super qualifier on Sunday. What do you think you'd be playing? I mean, honestly, after watching your, the deck you were playing, I, maybe just that, like that seems really sweet. I think like, I was really happy just watching the flood of card advantage and um, interaction. I do think just playing like the blue red Merktide deck, I think it's just a solid place to, to be too. It's just, it's just powerful, right? Like, I'm trying to end games quickly. I'm trying to be, do something really strong, and I feel like that's one of the better, stronger things that I could be doing. So I'm thinking about just playing that. Um, I'm definitely, after playing Blue-Red Prowess, like, I'm I'm definitely just off that deck. Like, I'm not I'm not interested. It only lines up well enough in the format. Um, the 
So in the, this is, I guess this is kind of funny too, because I, I felt the mono red deck was doing more of what I wanted to do. And I, maybe it is just a preference thing. And I, like that's 97% chance just that. But like, I, this actually goes back to the argument I made before. I still don't think expressive iteration is good in every deck. And I think this is kind of in that same boat. Like I think the, I think Let of the Stage is better in Mono Red Prowess than Expressive Iteration is in the Blue Red Prowess deck. And I don't think it's particularly close. Like, I think just in terms of style, deck style, I think Let of the Stage is just significantly better there. I think Expressive Iteration really wants to do a thing that performs better in the Blue Red Murktide deck, much better in your deck, like, you know, Grixis um, Shell, than it does in this kind of aggressive... Like I just I just want to get two cards off the top of my deck and I want to pay one mana to do it so I can do more stuff. Yeah, maybe I'd play that, but I'm definitely not playing Blue Red Prowess. I think. I don't know. I but I did also I did get to play against the Crashing Footfall deck and I think maybe that deck is something I w at least would want to try. It once again like I think in the format that people are trying to do something powerful, just like putting a bunch of four fours into play and just being like, can you beat this? No. Okay. Well, game over. Um, it's still a good place to be, but I don't know if that's better than necessarily than Hammer Time. I think the um, that deck is I think much better at putting your pressure uh, putting your opponent under the pressure cooker. So I think I'd probably just play Hammer Time if that was my my mantra going into the event. How about you? Fair, fair. Are you, are you would you just run back that uh, Grixis deck then? I I don't know. So the deck was really smooth, mm -hmm. um, but there's. So there's a lot of decisions, uh, which I don't actually mind, but I do think uh, playing over the course of, you know, it's probably going to end up being like a 10-round event plus mm -hmm. top eight, uh, and it's all drawn out. I don't know that that's the best kind of deck to be playing that kind of event. Like, I, when my mental game is good, I think it's pretty good. Like, but if I wake up and I'm at all tired, like, I don't know, that's such a long day. I can really see just like falling off uh, as the day goes on. Mm. Also, as, as I've talked about numerous times, I generally believe in being aggressive. Uh, so I do think the Grixis deck is very good. Don't get me wrong. I just, I think I would have a hard time convincing myself to play it in this event. If I had more reps under my belt with it, then sure, maybe. Because I mean, it is aggressive, it's very strong. I might just talk myself into it, uh, but <laughs> I think um, what I would be leaning towards, actually, you know, I, I always just kind of default to Amulet. Mm. Uh, I don't, I would not be surprised to see myself registering that, but I would be disappointed in myself. I don't know how good it is against the Izzet decks. Um, I haven't really gotten to play that matchup very much myself. I've heard it's bad. And <laughs> also, every time I watch it, I just see the Izzet decks play Blood Moon and Amulet lose, and then yeah. I get sad. Um, so I don't think I would play it, but if I did, I'd play more Force Vickers. Um, but I'm really leaning towards just playing one of the the Kitchen decks. It's awkward because I'm not very confident about which build is best, mm -hmm. but I will say it feels like every time I play that deck, uh, my losses are my own fault, and also I just make a gajillion decisions, half of them don't matter, and then I win. So, hmm. I, I just think uh, that's a good place to be. I actually feel 
pretty solid with like the matchups I've played against the, the more aggressive decks have felt good. And I will say even a lot of times on when watching streams, when I see the deck lose, I also generally think, you know, think they messed up here. I think they should have done this different. So I, I just think the kitchen decks are really good. I know some people are really high on like an essentially mono red version right now. I haven't gotten the chance to try it out, but that seems really strong. It's playing Dragon's Raid Channelers and Ragavons are really good backup plan. The bug version has been popping up seems really good to me. I, I really don't know which version is best. I, I have a feeling it's going to be a red blacklist, maybe Prixis. I really don't know, but I, I think I want to put in work with that deck. Um, and if I can't figure out a list that I like, I would probably, I don't know, maybe default to the Izzet deck because it's the best thing, but mm -hmm. I don't even know if I could get my hands on Ragavons. So maybe I'd also play Hammer Time. Playing Hammer Time, so I know Hammer Time's been putting up results, but it feels really bad playing it when there's so many unholy heats and lightning bolts. But the fact that it keeps winning is probably something, and I do like those kinds of strategies. Well, so, so I, I've been thinking about... Would, sorry, sorry, yeah. I was just going to say, Hammer Time's probably my, my backup plan if I can't figure out a kitchen deck I like. And then Amulet's my backup backup plan if I just wake up and I'm like, I'm tired, I don't want to think, but I have 400 play points to burn. Mm -hmm. So my theory on Hammer Time, why Hammer Time is so good right now, because I, I, I've got a lot of theories, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> I think the... Blue-red Murktide deck is good because the format is just not prepared for a creature that's bigger than a 6-6. Six, six. Like, I think if you can Unholy Heat it, it, it can die, right? So I think that hurts uh, Titan a little bit. Um, but it does, Murktide, if it's a 7-7, seven, seven, um, you at least get a 2-for-1 out of it. So I think that's, that's pretty good for most people. The Hammer Time deck, obviously, if a creature is a has 10 toughness, that, that passes the Unholy Heat test. That's fine. The issue that I, I think the format has is that you put, you're not putting on Holy Heat, or on Holy Heat, um, Colossus Hammer on the creature that wins the game, right? You're just putting it on an Ornithopter, or you're putting it on um, a Stoneforge Mystic, right? You're not putting it on anything super spicy. Sometimes it's an Ink Moth Nexus, which wins the game, that's fine. But, like, you can also just, like, put it on a... A construct token. You can put on all these things that you can kill with unholy heat, and you can kill with the lightning bolts. You can bounce them back to their hands. Um, that's fine. But then you still have to be ready for phase two, uh, which is your opponent going to play the pure steel paladin and then equip it again, and then um, re, you know, you know, check you right. And I don't think the format's prepared for that much removal. Like you can play ten removal spell for creatures, but like they have more than ten creatures they can put a hammer on, and I think that's really what people are running into. And that's even before you get to them playing Lurus or something like that and getting back those creatures. Um, I think really what they need to be doing is attacking the the hammers, but like that's not necessarily profitable, especially when you start looking at things that can't actually deal with the hammers over and over again, right? Like, that's a matter of you having something like shenanigans, but like that's... You don't want a sorcery, I don't think, in this format at all. Like, I was actually playing them in the prowess deck and like... I think it's embarrassing right now if you're trying to get rid of artifacts in the format at instant speed. Like, between Colossus Hammer and Amulet, Amulet of Vigor and, I mean, Engineer Explosives, right? Like, being a sorcery speed is 
almost meaningless. Like, unless you're, like, going to be able to exile uh, an artifact, which I think is also kind of important if you're talking about things like culture complete. Like, I think that's a different story, but I think otherwise you need to have a way that you can deal with the actual threat, which isn't the creatures normally, it's the, it's the, uh, the artifact, so... Um, but that's the reason I actually do like the Grixis set too. Like you, you're playing main deck um, copies of, oh sorry, <laughs> main deck copies of Culligan's Command. You have Snap Capture Mages to get them back. Like you have a chance to actually remove three of the four hammers um, and be able to win the game from there. But you know, some most decks can't do that. So yeah, the command is so good in that matchup. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's so hard. I. I might play that deck. I'm, I'm definitely either. I know I listed like three decks. I'm definitely gonna play like, Rix's Kitchen or Hammer Time. I think. Okay. I would be surprised if I play Amulet. Not shocked. And I would be stunned if I play anything other than those four. Mm-hmm. I kind of. I still want to see. I, I maybe I'll do that actually. Tonight or maybe tomorrow. Try to run a league through, with Heliod Company. I, I've been seeing people playing the deck recently and, just intellectually, right? Looking at the deck, like, Heliot I think should Hammer be t- I mean, Heliot should be good. I think it should be good. And it should, I've heard people who have played it saying it's bad. Okay. But it, I, I agree that I think it should be good in theory. I don't... Maybe Unholy Heat flips matchups, mm-hmm. but that doesn't really make sense to me. No. I would feel like Sanctum Prelate could flip those matchups right back. Yeah. So... I, I'm gonna have to run through those myself. That's just one of those, those, those missions that you need to go through yourself to see it. Like otherwise, I, I think even if someone does say it's bad, like I just don't, I can't imagine uh, that deck losing to a Murktide region. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and, and maybe it does. Maybe like that's you know the, it's a big creature in the air, and I can't gain enough life to to win through it. Uh, like, maybe they have too much removal and I can't really get good footing. Like, that's possible, I guess. I, I just I just don't see it. All right. Let's jump to Legacy. I think we've been talking about Modern <laughs> a little bit longer than I think either of us expected to. Um, yeah, I think so. Modern's just so good right now. It, I think I think Magic's... I mean... <laughs> Granted, I don't look at very many formats. Yeah, but I really like Modern and Legacy right now. Yeah, I, I also therefore like, Magic's. Yeah, those two formats are good. I'm I'm in total agreement that you know what honestly they banned Holdbreacher and Commander. I'm on board there. I think I saw they were playing a Sweet Duck and Pioneer. I mean that's not really a format though. So like, ugh. this all oh, this is and this is kind of a, a small aside here. But there was, we were talking about like a, a team event. There was a team event coming up. In was it Thanksgiving weekend? I think coming up. Is it NRG? Yes. So, which is cool. I think I'm very excited. NRG has some events coming back, and it looks like they haven't. They have that event Thanksgiving weekend. Um, they also, I think, SCG also has a big event coming up Halloween weekend, which is really cool. But the NRG event right now was a team event that was. Three of people's favorite team formats. They had Legacy. They had Modern. And they had the Crown Jewel Limited. And I was like, wait, what? What is that last one? Like that, that I'm reading it wrong. I was like, no, it's limited as the third op a third team slot. That's 
very surprising to me that they wouldn't have picked Pioneer or Standard or I don't know. So nope, nobody really wants to play Standard anymore. <laughs> I think people have realized like they were only playing Standard because they kind of had to. Mm-hmm. Um, and like even I think most Arena users play Historic over Standard or they play Draft. And like Standard is almost impossible to get games in on Moto. Um, I don't know if you saw Zach Allen posted a, a poll on like if people were going to go back to standard after after COVID and uh, he got like 600 responses and 90% of people said they had no interest in playing standard. Mm-mm. Yeah, I just don't. That format has gotten and like when I, you know back in my day, like but like yeah, I was there was a point in time I was like grinding standard week in and week out and like looking at the format now I'm like this is miserable I don't like any of this I think the format is like not like I want my standard format to be like the the grimy I'm gonna play this 3-1 and be happy about it and like does it have any abilities no it's fine it's just a 3-1 for 2 mana like that's all I want um the format just gotten so like weird overpowered and like somehow underpowered at the same time where like there's this huge disparity between like decks playing you know the great henge or like a numerous ultimatum i don't know which one you want to start with um and then other decks topping out with like showdown of the scald i'm like that's these are two different formats (laughs) like i don't know what we're doing here like i don't i don't enjoy any of this so we're getting off topic so i'm gonna drag us off topic in a different (laughs) direction now okay um you mentioned uh, you mentioned bands somewhere. Um, I feel like you said the word ban. Oh, um, I talked about uh, Hole Preacher. Ah, yes. So speaking of bands, mm-hmm. right before we started recording, uh, people discovered there's a ban announcement tomorrow. Oh, is there really? Yes. On a Wednesday? Look, man, they do it whenever they want. I thought they. I thought we had rules and structure. I thought it was always going to be on Tuesdays. Was it Tuesday? I thought it was usually Monday. I feel like they've done it on Wednesday before. I think they. Sure. It also kind of makes sense because uh, Wednesday. So I, Wednesday is when uh, they update stuff on Moto, so it mm-hmm. makes sense to do it on Wednesday. It does, yeah. I guess it would. And Arena goes down on Wednesday too, I think. Mm-hmm. So. Well, hmm. Well, not so, only. Oh, I, I don't want to go heavy into a band discussion, but if you had one guess. What's your guess? Ooh, um, if I had one guess about what it was across all of Magic's formats. Yep. Uh, you you can say for a card for multiple formats if you want. Like you could say this in popper, this in modern, but just at least one. Um, so if I if it was if it was standard. No, we don't talk about that format. Okay. If it was Pauper, um, it'll be. I'll let it slide. It'll be. <laughs> you just said it. Uh, if it was Pauper, it'd probably be Galvanic Relay. I believe it's what the card is called. Um, which is. You like, think they'd hit that over uh, over Chatterstorm itself? I think so. I, I, I don't. I think but... I think you can. I think you can beat the Chatterstorm. Um, I think it, I think it's almost impossible to beat the Galvanic Relay. I mean, I guess I don't. I don't I... Disagree, but okay. go on. Okay. Um, maybe maybe you just like hit like Lotus Petal or something like that. Cause that that's like one of those cards I didn't even realize was still legal. Uh, nah. <laughs> I think you hit Chatterstorm. Yeah. Okay, so you got your popper prediction. Uh, uh, if you were to okay, do 
go. If you're going to do modern, um, I said vintage. But vintage. That's fine. Oh, if you're going to do vintage, um, I think if you do vintage, I think you just unban um, the companions. I think you just unban Larith and um, Zerda. Okay, I have no guess. Uh, legacy go. I think if you're going to do legacy. I think you just ban Ragavan if you if you were to ban something there. I don't, I don't yeah. yeah. It's definitely gotta be It's gonna be Ragavan or Days. I mm-hmm. I would rather see Days go. And I would like to see Loris unbanned. Mm-hmm. Modern. Modern, I would probably just go hit Urza Saga. So that card's in a lot of decks. I don't know that it's a problem. I don't I don't think I would touch anything in modern. So, yeah, I don't think I'm... I think I'm okay with Modern for right now. I think Modern is in a fine spot. It's, a, it's in a unique spot compared to what we've seen, and I think that's okay. I don't think anything is oppressive in Modern, and I, I think the fact that we've seen such a weird... Not a weird diversity, diversity, but, like, when's the last time a mono-white deck has been the top of the format? You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's different. Um, and I think everything's playable right now. Like, even, like... That Indomitable Creativity deck is something you could actually play. I think something like the Cruel Midrange deck, you know, playing Arbor Elf into Pillage and whatnot is actually, like, a very fine spot to be in this format. Like, Turn 2 Blood Moon <laughs> on the play is, like, game-breaking for against a lot of decks right now. So um, I think that deck is probably pretty good. Like, I think there's even, like, the Five Color Elemental. We saw our, our friend was playing that yesterday, and, like, that deck was doing, like, stupid things. And, like... I'm not going to be upset because of the deck that's playing, you know, turn three Risen Reef doing well in, in modern. So no, I'm, I'm happy. I, I think, I think if you had to ban something. I think that's what you're doing, but I don't think you need to ban anything right now in, in modern. Okay. So now we, now we can actually move to legacy. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I guess we'll start off in legacy talking about the showcase challenge on the 17th. Uh, no, you know, well, actually, let's let's talk about the other one. They had a showcase challenge. That was on the 18th, right? Yeah, the showcase challenge was the 18th okay. on the Sunday. Let me see. Uh, oh, you made top eight. I did. Good for you. Congrats. Thank you. So, you know, I've never top eighted a challenge, which was really frustrating. No. Granted, it's not like I've played in... Tons and tons. Mm-hmm. I've played in enough. I've top 16 most of the ones I've played in. Mm-hmm. So. This, awesome. was, this was nice, especially since it was the showcase. Yeah. Super excited to play in the Legacy Qualifier. That'd be cool. Get my, uh, get my avatar a year later. <laughs> yeah, it's finally. So you played, what looks like, uh, Green White Depth. Anything spicy about the list? Uh, nope. <laughs> so to yeah, to the surprise of no one, yeah. um, I think my list is fairly stock. Okay. Um, I guess a couple things that I'm doing different. I know some people are back on Night of Autumn in the main deck, which I think is totally defensible, and I was considering doing myself. Um, I played the Ramunap Excavator, which is what I think you would cut for it. Mm-hmm. Some people are on Urza Saga in the main deck. I would not call that stock, and I would not call it good. Um, in my sideboard, also pretty normal. Uh, I don't think many people are playing the Rex Sage, 
which is, again, I'm not playing the knight in the main deck, but I did want access to that effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been seeing a lot more Blood Moons lately, so it's pretty good. Um, just being like, I, I think that matchup is favorite even without the Rex Age, mm-hmm. but having it is still just really nice. Um, some people are only on two chokes, uh, and most people are on two Endurance in the sideboard, and I'm really not super high on that card. I know a lot of people are, and, you know, it's good for your Delver matchup, but I actually like the Delver matchup anyways, and I don't bring the Endurance in typically. Uh, I think I did try bringing them in this weekend, but I typically don't. Um, So I'm just playing a Field of the Dead instead to help out the Bant matchup, which is not good. Hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's pretty stock. Just out of interest, because I've been seeing Foundation Breaker more and more in modern is the reason you're playing foundation you're not playing foundation you're playing rex age instead of foundation breaker uh green sun zenith is way better with rex age than foundation breaker okay so uh, so like the upside to foundation breaker is it's typically a green sun zenith i mean not a green sun zenith um summoner's pack target and then you can pay it for two mana mm-hmm. but like in here you're taking your four mana spell and turning it into a five mana spell and that's really bad Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So you're you're really trying to lean more into making green something that's as good as possible rather than um, trying to be mana efficient if you were to naturally draw it. Correct. Okay. Cool. I like that. I still and like looking at your deck too. I, I still love prismatic ending. The card's just so powerful. Yeah, I mean it was really good for me all day. Uh, I mean the whole list was really good for me all day. Hmm. Um, it is worth noting. Somebody, I think it was Rodrigo, pointed out in the morning. Uh, Maze of Ith is kind of sick in this deck now. I'm not playing it, but I want to try it out. Uh, I've played it before and it was really bad, but playing it with Yafa Maya so it can actually tap for green mana. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, the deck was the deck was great all day. I don't know. I'll give a quick rundown of what I played against. Mm. Round one, I beat Death and Taxes. Round two, I beat Yorion and Taxes. Uh, round three, I played the Mirror, uh, which... I actually love Depths Mirrors. I was a little bit worried because the green-white mirror in particular I think is really tricky, but I generally have a very good win percentage in Depths Mirrors, and thankfully uh, my knowledge of the mirror paid off. Um, round four, I beat Lands, but in game one... So game one was kind of tricky, and they were ahead for a bit. I, I started... Uh, I think the game was in my favor, finally. Um, and I was kind of tanking on a Sylvan library and hit the uh, hit the wrong order. I hit undo without thinking about it. Oh. And so the game restarted because <sighs> that is a bug on Moto for anyone who doesn't know. When you hit undo on basically any decision, it restarts the game. Miserable. And I ended up losing... Uh, when I felt like I was going to win that game. So that was really frustrating. Uh, but thankfully, I won the match. And I mean, also, it's my own fault, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of Moto's fault for not having their bug fixed by now because it's been over a month. Yeah. And this is, like, a really prominent one uh, because it works with Expressive Iteration, Sylvan Library, Ponder. Round five, I played against uh, the legend Daniel Nunes on Slivers. Ooh. Uh, round six, I took my first loss to Blue Red Delver, okay. uh, played by Kenta Hiroki, good friend of ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, he like 
crush this event. He ended up losing in the finals. Yep. Um, I will say I got fairly unlucky uh, and did not draw land in game two. And then I ended up mulliganing uh, in both of the games. I, or no, I kept seven in game two and just didn't draw land. But I mulliganed to five in game three, which was pretty unlucky and I think sealed my fate. Uh, round seven, I got my revenge on Blue Red Delver, but then round eight, I lost to uh, the Wonder Kid Milan on mm-hmm. Blue Red Delver. Um, don't want to be that guy, but again, I mulliganed to five in both of my losses. And it was like I didn't have a green or white source in my hands. So there was not even an argument to keep them. Yeah. In round nine, I got paired against Elves, which is a very good matchup, um, especially if they are not playing black for Assassin's Trophy, which my opponent was not. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, round 10, which was in the top eight, I got easily killed by uh, Tess. Um, so I'm, I'm on the play game one. And I mean, game one, the matchup's like abysmal. My opponent kills me on turn two. And then game two, I have, so I have a collector oof and I can play it on turn one because I have a mock Simon, but I don't have another green source. I, like an idiot, think, oh, my opponent has mulliganed. I should be safe to wait until my second turn. Oh, no. My opponent went off and killed me on, well, he didn't kill me on turn one, but he made a bunch of goblins mm-hmm. and then I didn't draw an answer, but he kept a no lander and just completely needed the artifact so like if i just played the oof like i'd probably win yeah but i probably lose game three anyways so man all right so i mean that's still pretty impressive like i I think especially in those kind of situations too like if you don't cast turn two collector oof or turn i guess turn one collector oof right but like do you do you win on turn two like or like do you win on turn three I don't necessarily just like, I mean, I didn't have a fast kill, Mm -hmm. uh, but my thinking was, so I spent turn one green sun Zena thing for Dryad Arbor Mm -hmm. so that I would have green mana available. Okay. Um, I've had games against, I've had the opposite of this kind of happen where I've played the collector oof or the null rod and my opponent just like played lands and then drew chain of vapor before I drew anything. Uh, so if I, I figured if I guaranteed myself the green source, I'm just good to go. And honestly, I probably made the wrong decision. I think I did. Uh, I think I let the fact that I had had so many mana issues against my Delver opponents kind of influence my decisions, mm-hmm. uh, which is obviously bad. And I do regret that. But, you know, it is what it is. And uh, hopefully next time I make the better choice. Again, I don't think it would have mattered. But that doesn't matter. I still messed up. Mm-hmm. So anything you would change about the list going forward, or do you think this is a pretty solid place um, to continue playing? I mean, I think the list is near perfect. Um, again, endurance endurance is good, but doesn't, like, wow me. Mm-hmm. So I, I do wonder about kind of changing that or the ramming app. Granted, so maybe it's better to change move the ramming app because... Uh, endurance in a weird way can kind of work like a ramming app, but then that ruins your nights. So that's actually not very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think the list is. I think the list is really solid. Okay. Uh, it, it's really awkward 
that I lost to Delver twice. But like, again, I think it was, I don't know. I'm so torn because I feel like it was kind of flukes and I do know, like I got unlucky, but I also don't want to just like tell myself that's all it is. Like, um, cause I will say both of those Delver players I lost to, uh, are definitely better than the average player. So like, part of me is like, okay, you definitely did get unlucky, but like, did they also, like, they could have also been getting unlucky. Like, is it the deck is good against the average Delver player, but not the, like the great Delver players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think... So that's bringing me some pause, Yeah, uh, but I, I think the list was just very good. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I would say like, yeah, Milan is definitely one of the better Delver play- players right now, but like Kent is literally, I think probably if I had to make a guess, probably the best Delver player on the planet right now. So like, <laughs> I think, I think losing games to, to either of them is definitely respectable. All right. Well, just kind of looking over the rest of the top eight, because we definitely talked about your deck. Top eight, deck is actually our showcase challenge. We mentioned that Kenta got second place uh, playing Blue Red Delver. Uh, first place was actually Jeskai Standstill, which is the deck we've seen obviously around. But this deck, between this and also the challenge on Saturday, right? Uh, Jeskai Standstill is very, very prominent right now. Yeah, so a couple things about that. Uh, one, apparently Theo, who won the event, mm-hmm. uh, he was cubing in real life while playing the finals. Okay. Which is just like a major flex. Yeah. Oh, man. Good to be good. And two, you know, people have been really high on this deck, have a lot of good things to say about it. I haven't played it myself yet. I've really been holding off. As you may remember, I was, like, not very high on this deck last time we talked about it. Mm-hmm. Assuming Ragavan survives tomorrow, which I'm not sure if it will or won't. And actually, I guess by the time people are listening to this, more than likely you already know if it survives or not. Mm-hmm. It's possible you're hearing this first, but realistically, you probably already know. <laughs> we don't. Um, but assuming that Ragavan is still around next week... I'm planning to try this deck out, see if it's something I should be like putting uh, putting the reps in to learn. You know, I I have like a month before the before the legacy qualifier, but I want to do my due diligence now. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, and the deck between the results it's putting up, you know, the deck obviously has legs, but I mean, if you're looking at it, it doesn't have. I don't know how to phrase this like. The removal of playing, I think, is powerful, right? You're looking at, like, Swords of Plowshares and Prismatic Ending. If Ragavan's the best creature in the format, like, that's a one-man answer to deal with both of the, uh, you know, that card for sure. Um, it has ways that are evasive threats besides Ragavan, like, it plays the Trinity Nemesis, it's playing the Regent. Um, the Retrofitter Foundry is insane here, right? So, like, that's also a thing you can win the game with, and... I think this is still, and I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think this is the best Urza Saga deck in Legacy, which I think we, all these different decks have been, you know, fighting for the best Ragavan deck in Legacy. But I think very much. Do you mean? Still. Do you mean like this is the best deck that happens to play Urza Saga, or the deck 
that is best at utilizing Urza Saga as a part of its strategy? Best at utilizing. You think it's the best at using Urza Saga? Yeah, yeah. I very disagree with that. In Legacy, what deck do you think does it better? Painter. And the Affinity decks. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't even think it's close. I think Painter is. I'll give you Painter. Far the best deck at using it, and then I think Lands is probably number two. Lands, and then I think it's. Then I think it's Affinity. Uh, Affinity's probably before Lands. What? Uh, Uh, What? Okay. And I would put the Stancil deck at four. What? I. Okay. So. I got. I got so many questions now. Okay, so Earth of Saga and lands in general. So I'm I'm, looking, I'm trying to look for a list right now. Uh, I mean, not everybody's on it, but uh, Earth of Saga out of that deck is super impressive. Um, what do you get? You're getting. It's Mox not. A, it's not about or? what you're getting. You're, and I mean, you're mainly getting retrofit or foundry, which is the same thing you're getting in Sandstill, which retrofit or foundry does prolong the game, but it's more about the interaction with Thespians. Sure. Okay. I actually um, and also getting pith and needle can be really good. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm I'm on board with getting needle. I actually played against uh, a build of green white lands the other day. That I don't know if my opponent was even playing dark depths. They were, pl- uh, but they were definitely playing four copies of Rosa Saga. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, a list top thirty two the, the showcase challenge playing four Urza Sagas. It, it was not the same list. Um, but Little Sparrow t- top 32 the showcase challenge playing something akin to it. Um, but I, they just had so many Urza Sagas and the deck was it, it was gross watching it honestly because you would like Wasteland one and then they would just crop rotation into another one and then you know since they had exploration they could really maximize it like by just getting it going earlier, and then they were life from the looming it back, and it was just, it it was a disaster. It was <laughs> it was impossible to do anything. It just it was gross. All right, so looking at Little Sparrow's list too, it, it is definitely not the traditional list I was kind of expecting. Like I was expecting. Oh uh, yeah, Little Sparrow is a psycho. Yeah, uh, their decks are sweet. <laughs> like if you look at their page, they I don't know. They often play land-based strategies, and they do a lot of weird things. I've highlighted them as uh, decks of the week before. Mm-hmm. Um, so just running through this list super, super quickly, just so, so we're on the same page here. Um, see, there are copies of Elvish Reclaimer, Crop Rotation, Life and Alone, Mox Diamond, Expedition Map, Pithing Needle, Retrofitter Foundry, Sphere of Resistance, uh, Exploration, a smattering of lands that you would expect to see in... A land deck, including Caracas, Ghost Quarter, Dark Depths, uh, Blast Zone, uh, Maze of It, Despian Stage, Urza Saga. It's definitely the big addition here. Tabernacles in the deck, too. Um, the sideboard has um, some green cards, but also some uh, red cards and white cards, too. Um, deck's definitely doing a lot here. Um, this is a really interesting deck, though. Like, we, talk, we did talk about before about the nice thing about having Elvish Reclaimer along with Urza Saga, like, you're going to sack the land anyway, so you might as well either make a token out of it and use the mana, or you could just sack it to Reclaimer and, you know, get a free land out of it too, like, you already get your artifact. Um, Combining that with 
crop rotation and life in the loam, you like you just get like so much extra value out of your land going away. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely interested in trying something similar to this. I don't think this list is built correctly, but something somewhere between this and the traditional lands build, maybe even some some unholy abomination of the, this, the normal lands and dap, like green white dabs all mixed together. Hmm. Uh, I think there's something there. Yeah. I, I'm not saying that that's like I'm going to be dedicating a ton of time and we've cracked it, but like I'm definitely going to put a non-zero amount of work into trying. Trying out variations of that. Hmm. Yeah, it seems, you know, well, one very up your alley, but also it's just a really interesting build. Um, yeah, this, yeah. this this deck specifically might be a, a good use of Urza Saga and Legacy. I just, and I do want to talk about the Painter Servant deck, too. And Have you seen Painter Servant mostly being mono-red, or have you seen, like, blue-red? Uh, I've seen I've seen a mix. I haven't actually played against the blue-red deck very much, mm-hmm. but it looks not good to me <laughs> um, <laughs> i'll be honest like i on on paper it looks really bad to me i really haven't seen it in action i know some people have done well with it but whenever i look at their results they're never beating delver mm-hmm. and on paper it doesn't look to me like they're ever beating delver mm-hmm. that's uh that's not a great sign and like Bob Pong was the first person I saw like talk about it, and I know he said like it was good in the meta, and he's generally pretty good at stuff like that. But like, even his results, he didn't beat Delver at all. He just was losing to a left and I don't want to say left and right. So like, I'm pretty low on that version. But I do think uh, the red versions use Urza Saga well, and you know they've they've been good played against them. Uh, funny enough, I think. Everyone is on Ragavan, mm-hmm. and the Ragavans have been very unimpressive to me out of this deck. Um, and I think that's because you don't really have the aggression to back it up. But but this build looks good, and then the blue versions have looked really good to me. Again, the, the combination blue-red versions have looked really bad to me. I'm not saying you can't play blue-red. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very possible they've just been misbuilt. I'm very interested in playing blue-black. I've played uh, I played blue black painter not or it was probably just like a week or two ago. There's a us- user uh, by the name of M underscore four who has been putting in some good work with blue black painter. They're playing three Tezrats in the main deck though. Mm, okay. And that card did not do very much for me, and I want to cut that and play copies of Emery because uh, I think being able to buy back Baleful Strix right now is like really good. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they're playing Hydroblast in the main deck, and Hydroblast has been super impressive, just, like, tagging Ragavans. Pyroblast is also super impressive because it tags Merktide regions. So, and, I mean, the argument of getting both is the draw to playing Blue-Red Painter. And, again, I think Blue-Red Painter is playable. I just don't like the way it's been being built. Yeah, I mean, like, if you're saying... It, I could be wrong, too, but it sounds like the mono-red version is probably, like, the really nice more aggressive slant on the deck. The blue version is a little bit more controlling, so maybe, maybe like the blue-red version is kind of like a mid-rangey mix of that. I don't know that I would call the red version more aggressive. I mean, it is, I guess. I I wouldn't say it's more aggressive. I would say it's more proactive, which more is okay. a very, very minuscule difference. Yeah. Um, but like, like, the red version's still not good at, like, 
attacking people and getting them dead that way, you know? Yeah. Uh, looking at the red list, too, I mean, like, and I do think there's, obviously, I think Ragavan and Earth's Dagger are such strong cards. Playing them in the same deck is never terrible. But I do like how Ragavan can attack and hopefully give um, the Goblin Welder and the Goblin Engineer something to kind of get the party started as far as artifacts to, to ship away. Those treasure tokens. And yeah, that's, valuable. that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and even being able to cast like a turn to Imperial Recruiter or a turn to Mac of the Moon... I'm using Ragavan kind of a, as an accelerant. It's really nice because you're not playing. I, I could be missing in this list in particular, but you know you're not playing something like Simeon's Beard Guy necessarily. So having an accelerant is, is kind of sweet too. Uh, I mean, you have like, you are obviously playing City of Traders, like you, in Ancient Tomb, so you do have ways to play a turn to uh, Moon Man if you need to. But um, no, this deck looks really sweet too. This list in particular is playing Magmatic Channeler too, which was a card we talked about when it got the spoiler came out for uh, that set. I'm I'm glad it is seeing some action in in Legacy. I thought it was going to be in a Reanimator deck, but it turns out Painter's a much better home for it. Yeah, I really thought it would see more playing like uh, Delver type strategies, but mm. uh, we both definitely missed the mark there. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, I do think it's really sweet that they're playing like the one copy of Thundering Titan. Like I, I don't think you can necessarily play that normally, but I think if you're um, playing Goblin Engine, uh, well, it's not in particular Goblin Engineer, but if you're playing something like Magmatic Channeler, you can discard it a little bit more effectively, and then maybe just you know Goblin Weldering it in and out. <laughs> it's something you can do to you know really knock some people out of the game. Yeah, I mean it's beating. <laughs> uh. Especially since they're not really playing Blood Moons in this list because of how poorly they interact with Urza Saga. Mm-hmm. Something I, you, I'm, I'm obviously wrong about this because I think, I think you're gonna tell me why I'm wrong here. But I was kind of expecting that instead of Pyrokinesis, we would just be seeing Fury um, instead. I thought that would be a really solid just improvement um, for a lot of the a lot of the red deck, right? With a heavy red count. Um, is there a reason you you would be playing? Uh, Power can use this over Fury still. I think that's just a mistake. <laughs> if oh, I, okay. From being honest, uh, like maybe there's a reason that I'm not thinking of, but they hit the same. They hit this like Fury is literally just an upgrade, if memory serves. The the only thing is that Fury. I don't think, believe Fury has Flash, so I think Power can use this at least has, is an instant. Oh, that's true. So that could be a good reason. Like Pyrokinesis can tag um a dash Ragavan, and that's relevant. Yeah, the dash, like, even, like, if Elves is trying to combo off, right, you can hit them before they try to start chaining. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I guess if you don't think that you're gonna hard cast Fury ever, then Pyrokinesis is maybe a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the only one I, the only thing kind of looking at, you know, just random options. That was interesting. But, like, Fury being able to hit Planeswalkers is relevant, too. Yeah, that, I think that's really good. Um, so. Also, every time my opponent puts it into play, I lose. So <laughs> I assume that it's good. <laughs> so Maybe good. that's not the right metric, but I don't know. Every time they have it, I die. So like, it can't be bad. I mean, every time they, they cast it, they kill your Lurith, they kill your Ragavan, and they kill your Dragon Rage channel. I feel like it's at least decent. <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. Oh, man. And, and like it, oh, oh, I know this is kind of going off topic here, but like, 
that's one of those cards that like it doesn't need to be like in that cycle like i think the card is actually just fine um but just like watching somebody just tap five mana and just like destroy your entire like plague wind you it's just like <laughs> so yeah, so funny <laughs> It sucks. And then it has double strike. <laughs> so it's like impossible to beat it in combat. Yeah. So you're just like, oh, I have no board. I'll play this one creature that can never possibly stand up to Fury. Mm-hmm. And like, if you're talking about like the, you know, in the, in the elemental stack in modern, right? They're just like, oh, by the way, Kaira, give it plus one, plus one and vigilance for some reason. You're like, yep. Enjoy that four, four double striking vigilance creature. <laughs> what is happening? Oh my gosh. Okay, well, let's let's get get back on here. Um, so, if you're playing the, I know you still have a month at this point too, right? But we do have that legacy event on on Saturday, which you're definitely playing. I may or may not be playing. I guess depending on attendance, I'm a, I'm a standby judge. So, um, if we get a good number, I mean, this is I feel bad too. If we get a good number, I'm I'm not playing, right? Because a good number, I think in my mind would be 64 players, but. Um, if we get a low number, then I get to play, but I guess we'll see. What, what do you think of the deck you'd be playing? Or what is the deck you would be playing this weekend? I'm playing Depths again. <laughs> Just playing Depths, okay. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'll play any Legacy between now and then, but, like, I'm just putting my Knight of the Reliquaries into play, mm-hmm. making some Aang tokens, Ooh. killing my opponent. Yeah, that's fair. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm just playing Blue Red Delver. I mean, like I just think that deck is very good. And like uh, honestly, like I know um, Kenta is a very very strong player. Um, but I mean, the deck's just been been putting up insane results. You get to play a decent amount of interaction. Like the fact that the, the fact that this deck has like all these literally. I mean, they're they're one for twos, right? Like they're playing fourth level, they're playing fourth negation. And they still are able to get value with Equestive Federation and Days and, you know, even, like, Brazen Bar is, happens to be able to make it into this deck. Like, this deck is just, like, such an animal to try to wrangle in for opposing decks. Like, I think this is, in my mind, at least a deck you have to at least consider playing if you're looking at, like, it's a deck right now. You know, it's really worth mentioning, like how different Kenta's build is from the stock list. It's like you were you were just talking about his list, but like, you know, he was playing the Brazen Borrowers, which are not stock. I actually don't even think Force Negation is stock right now. Uh, let's see. And it's funny, uh, Milan's deck was also really far from stock. He's actually only playing two Delvers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's actually, we, we don't have to go like deep dive here. Um, Kenta's not playing Dragon Rage Channel, um, which... Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, the other the other list on the top eight were um, Kenta's also the only person playing Trina Nemesis and Brazen Bar, like you mentioned. I guess to be fair, actually no, neither of them are playing on the sideboard either. I, I have been seeing it in the sideboard, um, random places. Yeah, Trina's still insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I don't know. People just talk about it like not being good sometimes, but like I don't know. Card's really impressive. So I do wonder if more people will pick it up. It feels bad when it gets power blasted, but like if it doesn't get power blasted, it just takes over the game <laughs> like which i think yeah. it's pretty good i do think murktide regent might be also a reason not to play true name nemesis like they kind of fulfill same, the same role mm-hmm. um but murktide regent just ends the game way quicker yeah i mean murktide regent doesn't 
Go ahead. I was just saying it also doesn't lose to Plague Engineer. Yeah, which is which is very important. The Mercury regions end up being really awkward too, um, being on the draw at least because if you if you just I guess to assume you're playing um, and your opponent goes turn four regent, I don't know turn four regent. Um, it's a seven seven. It's like okay, well I'm gonna go do some stuff. Um, try to get mine to be a little bigger. It's like, okay, well, I have an 8-8 eight, eight region to go through 7-7 seven, seven regions. It's like, okay, cool. Well, the next turn, I'm just going to uh, try to spend all my resources to get enough instants in my graveyard again where I can cast my second region, make my <laughs> previously a 7-7 seven, seven into a 13-13, uh, and then I'm going to try to run you over. Like, that's it's kind of like a weird game of leveling uh, with the Merktide regions, too, in the mirror. Um, I think the Brazen Bar was actually really nice, too, because I, I don't know how easy it is to cast Merktide Regent multiple times. Uh, like I think I think it does take a while, even in a deck like uh, Blue Red Delver, so um, I think being able to bounce <laughs> Merktide Regents back to their hand is, is kind of backbreaking a lot of times. But yeah, you're right, yeah. The um, fourth negation is definitely not stock. I mean, it looks like um, Milan, and I don't know who Trist Tristan JWL is, but I'm going to call him Trist right now. Um, Triss and Milan are both playing four copies of Expressive Iteration, where Kenta's only playing three. Did it, did Goldstroke play Force of Negation? No. Okay, so it's not stock. Definitely not stock, no. Is it, but Gold, actually, Goldstroke's playing Mishra's Bubble, too, which is actually really interesting. Make that Dragon Rite channel work a little easier, and Unholy Heat, too. I like that. Okay, Milan's playing that, too. Tristan's playing one. Kenta's playing zero. Actually, Kenta's not playing on Holy Heat at all. Yeah, I don't think that card is actually particularly good in this deck. I think it's only really good if you are... Like, it's not good if you're not playing with the Dragon's Rage Channelers, right? Mm. And he doesn't think Dragon's Rage Channeler is good. Uh, he explained his reason. I don't remember what it was. Um, but if you're not playing with Dragon's Rage Channeler, then it gets harder to turn on your Delirium. And especially, like, not playing with Mishra's Bobble, like you get to in Modern. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you just said uh, Goldshow was playing with Mishra's Bobble, but like Mishra's Bobble is not great with Delver. Um, I know he thinks that uh, Disenergy, I guess, is mm -hmm. uh, over criticized, but I, you know, the general consensus is they're not good together. So I, I get not really wanting to play Unholy Heats. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned my friend Kyle earlier who loans me cards for, for weeklies. I know he had. Unholy Heats in his Bill of Delver, and just like every time he drew them, he was like, This card is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're like looking at, un like, I guess for some decks it doesn't really matter, right? Like Delver dies to either between that and Chain Lightning. There you go. Um, dies to both of those. Ragavan dies to both of those. Like having an instant, I think, is important, but also being able to like. Chain lightning and kill a creature. I think it's very important, and like the fact that I can't chain lightning and kill a um, dragon rage channeler if it has delirium is super annoying to me. But maybe that's so the upside is that he hits a uh, dash dragon. He does, yeah. But, you know, it's it's really like pros and cons to everything. I I do think the Delver deck is like oddly customizable right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I like if you look at these results, they're they're kind of proven that way. Yeah. It's possible one of these is just the best build, but I'm not sure that's true. I think it probably comes down to like personal play patterns. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, because I mean, Kenta, and you can agree with me or disagree with me. I, you, you, I think you would know better than I do. Um, just so I think you know Kenta a little bit, a little better. Um, but Kenta used to play like Miracles, right? Am I making this up? Uh yeah, he he does like the. Uh, I don't know if he played Miracles. I know he played Stone Blade. Okay. Uh, I feel like he probably played Miracles. He he's really a best act kind of guy, and mm. he does prefer playing blue strategies. Um, so it it would not surprise me if he had played. Miracles. I just don't remember it. I think this deck is really built like a deck that is a blue deck that is trying to beat other blue decks. Like, I, I don't... Maybe Brazen Borrower is not the best card to be playing in the format, but it is the, one of the best things to be doing against in the air against opposing people who are trying to fight you in the air. Right? Like, he has one less regent, sure, but his regents are always going to maintain being 7-7s seven, and 8-8s. Eight, eight. Like, they're not going to be stranded in your hand because you cast them and delved uh, too hard multiple times, uh, which I think is really good. And, like, the main deck Pyroblast is another another card that I'm looking at. I'm like, that's definitely a card thing. Like, I'm I'm allowed to cast Murktide Regent. You're not. I'm allowed to cast uh, Force of Will or Expressive Iteration. You are not. Um, I think he's a lot of kind of, like, me, yes, you know kind of cards, which I think uh, really shows. And obviously, I think he this helped, right? Like, if you're, if you're looking at ways to be successful in the Delver Mirror, I think having cards that are hedged towards the mirror um, is probably in your benefit. So, Yeah, 100%. Especially like in these events where you can really kind of expect uh, people are putting their all in, trying just, you know, they're trying harder than a normal challenge typically. Mm -hmm. I think it's more likely to skew blue heavy. So I, I think playing the main deck Pirate Blast was a really smart choice. Yeah. And I really like the Brazen Borrowers too. But I don't like cutting the Dragon's Rage channelers, but I also don't, like, know what else you would cut. Yeah, like, if, if you're going to play, especially four, like, that's my other thing, too. Like, if you're going to play four, you're cutting from this list, if you want to keep the Brazen Borrowers, uh, cutting a Trunian Nemesis, cutting the two Force Negations, cutting the Pyroblast. That's, that's the four. I mean, I don't hate that. No, and, but then once you... And this is where you're going to... Back to Goshul's list, right? Like, once you add in the four Dragon Rage Chandlers and you have all those cards gone, like, I might as well put in the two baubles um, instead of some other cards. I don't know about all that. But, like... And then, Maybe. But then once you put in the baubles... Because you do want to hit Delirium. You want to hit Delirium. And so, but then once, you have, once you're trying to hit Delirium, then you might as well put the Unholy Heats in. And, like... So I think this this is also a kind of a logical thing. Like once I remove Dragon Race Channeler, like what else does that do for my deck? Or maybe he really did have a plan of I want to put in, you know, these cards I think that, that are better in the mirror. How do I? I think Milan might have it right, where you actually just cut Delvers. Ooh, cutting down to two Delvers. That's a, that's a cow, man. You can't cut the figured cow. Um, I mean, the deck doesn't have to be Delver. No, it doesn't. It's like pretty like. I don't know. He's probably the worst creature in the deck. Um, oh, man. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I guess if you're gonna, if you're gonna go turn, turn one creature, daze your next spell, ponder, force ability your next spell, like, I think you're better off doing it with Ragavan than you are with Delver. Um, I think you're more likely to actually hit that if you're doing it with Dragon Rage Channeler. And if you're doing that with Dragon Rage Channeler, it's gonna be a three a 3-3 flyer next turn regardless. So, and I guess Delver is the worst out of them. That feels really, really weird to say. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, 
yeah, he could have the, he could have the list. Um, I still, once again, I guess by playing the Dragon Ring Channel, you really do want the Mishra's Baubles. It just doesn't. And maybe you don't need it. Like, maybe that's the thing. Um, I think they're all playing 18 lands, all all four of these lists from the from the challenge or from the showcase challenge. So, um, man, yeah, I guess even I guess you're right. Actually, looking at Tristan's list too, he's playing three Delvers, but he just caught one of the Mishra's Baubles for another Delver, which actually that feels, I guess, slightly better, right? Like by adding the Mishra's Baubles in, you're making your Delvers worse because it's not a spell that flips them. So. You, maybe you need less of them, but like by adding a Delver back in, you really do need to cut something, like a card to not make it as bad, so you have to cut a Mishra's Bobble. So maybe that the, the Delver Mishra's Bobble number just always needs to be equal to four, right? Like Kenta can play four Delvers and zero Bobbles. Tristan can play three Delvers and one Bobble. Um, Milan can play two Delvers and two Bobbles. And Gold the Mapson can play zero Delvers and four Bobbles. Yeah. yeah and... Can't wait to win the Legacy Qualifier with their <laughs> secret tech. Yeah, absolutely. That's not secret because they just said it on a podcast. Mm -hmm. Ruined it, man. Yeah, but Ghostshell's just playing four Delvers and two Bobbles. Also, to be fair, he's also in ninth place, not in the top eight. So like, maybe that's a correlation there, but who knows. I mean, he bubbled, though. Like, it's not like... Yeah. Um, not like he didn't do well. Mm -hmm. Also, interesting to note, um, you know, peek behind the curtains, we, we look at MTG Goldfish while we talk about the decks, just so we have something to reference. Uh, so on MTG Goldfish, it says he went 7-1 in the Swiss, mm -hmm. um, which is just weird to me because it was nine rounds. So. Yeah. <laughs> he did not go 7-1, he went 7-2. Yeah, I think, I think was a record capable of top eighting for what it's worth, so it's not like... Not like he did poor. Yeah, I mean, you went 7-2 as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. But my breakers were insane because my first loss was to Kenta, and my second loss was to Milan, and, like, they both top-aided. Like, they both finished 8-1, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah, but I, I... I don't know. There definitely has to be some balance between the Delvers and the uh, spells you're playing in your deck, and, like, Kenta does have the best ratio, right? He's playing 28 spells to flip his Delver, his four Delvers, well, Tristan's playing 27, the flip is 3. Milan's playing 26, the flip is 2. Um, Goshul's playing 4, the flip, uh, 25, the flip is 4, right? That, like, that's the worst ratio out of any of these 4 decks, which I think is something you want to try to avoid uh, when you're when you're building your Delver deck. Like, at some point, you're I think it's right, um, like Tristan and Milan did, just to start cutting Delvers if you're not getting that um, high percentage, I guess, to have them flip. Um, all right, well, we are, I think, I think towards the end, I think we should probably start wrapping up. Um, do you mind if I hit you with some, some rapid, rapid fire questions to, to wrap up here? Go. Okay. Um, first off, um, uh, Tour is back, um, mostly online. They have a big con coming up, I guess, in... Halloween, you excited? I am excited. Uh, a lot of people were upset because online, not great. Uh, I know SCG Tour Online just didn't do super well, didn't hit for everyone. Uh, and, you know, when they made the announcement, I think people were expecting to get more uh, paper play, mm -hmm. which I'll admit I was amongst them. But 
think this is a reasonable way to bring it back. Uh, starting off with SCG Con makes sense. I think I might be qualified from the last one. Um, I honestly don't remember if I was qualified for the last MV. If I'm not, oh well. Uh, I'd rather play the legacy side events. I assume will be there anyways. Um, I'm excited. Cool. Uh, I am very bummed that it's on my on my birthday this year. Usually it's not a big deal, but I um, I think it's my first. It'll be my first birthday with. Well, I mean, I guess really my second birthday with Raleigh, but I think the first one that she's aware that it's my birthday, so I I want to be home for that. So, kind of kind of messes it up for me. How about the oh, talking about one of the best cards in the format. Uh, our buddy Ragavan is 118 ticks online right now. What do you think? Don't care. Totally irrelevant. I mean, more or less, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's obviously relevant, but like I don't know. I just like. I don't care about prices and magic cards, man. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. Yeah, I it, it definitely for me it at least affects what decks I can actually play on MTGO because like that is a playset of Ragavans is you know almost five hundred tickets, right? So like it does limit what I can actually play. Um, yeah, I mean I'm gonna have to figure that out so yeah. I can test with them, but like I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. Also, uh, we were talking about from your. Top eight. You got a full set of the new D and D set on MTGO. Um, do you think that this is going to be the? Okay, well I'll say it like this. Um, I think that it will be one of the best sets of all time for people outside of the game. What do you think? Don't care. <laughs> I mean, I guess by definition, probably, but also I don't care. <laughs> okay. Now that the uh, set is out in full, by the way, too, does it make you? more or less hopeful that the Lord of the Rings set will also be... Uh, how, does it, how does it change your expectation for the uh, the um, Lord of the Rings set? It doesn't. The sets are unrelated. <laughs> true. That is true. Uh, okay. Let's wrap, <laughs> let's wrap up there. Um, Alright. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Expedition Map on Twitter and Twitch. Where I did not stream the Legacy Challenge, thought about it. Might record um, post uh, match commentary uh, to post on our YouTube. Haven't decided, but we'll probably at least stream a non zero amount of my testing for the qualifier. Definitely none like the last couple days. Yeah. But probably some leading up to it. Cool. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at badluckbandit. You can also find the show at Depth underscore podcast. Uh, thank you for all of our recent listeners. We got a bunch of listeners in the past week or two, which is really cool. Hope you guys are enjoying the show. Uh, feel free to message us on uh, Twitter if you want to, you know, chat with us. We always love conversate, um, conversating. Gosh, can you imagine doing a podcast for an hour and a half and then saying conversating <laughs> in the last minute? Yeah. Uh. Well, anyways, yeah, we like talking to you guys on Twitter, so hit us up there. All right, uh, I guess I'll see you next week. I'll see you on Saturday. Ooh, yeah, on Saturday. Ooh, exciting. All right, I'll see you Saturday. Bye. Also, conversating is literally a word. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, all right, cool, never mind. Totally intentional. You should leave this in. I'm going to leave it in. It'll, it'll be left in. <laughs> nice. <laughs> all right, bye. Thank you.